0: See it presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keys, and today on this episode of Call It Like I See It, we would like to discuss what we see and how leaders have responded to the emerging presence of COVID-19 and the serious threat that it poses. Joining me today is the man whose leadership in the financial planning and wealth management industries have made him both widely loved and widely feared. Tunde lana Tunde, how'd you pull off getting both love and
1: fear? I don't know, but I got to run this by my legal department now since you, are, you know, the SEC and Finner are going to want to hear, you know, that this was approved. But thank you, sir.
0: Thank you. All right. Also joining me today is the man who's been sharpening his leadership skills since he organized elementary school students as an elementary school student to fight for more tartar sauce with his fish sticks. Rob Richardson. Rob, are you, are you ready to speak truth to power Hey, let's give it a run. Let's give it a run. All right, all right, man. Will they listen? That's the question. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now we're recording this on March 18th, 2020. And we wanted to do a special second release this week to take a look specifically at how leadership at various levels have responded or has responded to the pandemic. Our society is in crisis mode, and societies around the globe are in crisis mode. But one thing about crisis is that oftentimes it makes it easier to see people for who they are. And this especially applies to leaders with how they respond in the face of crisis, whether they seek to deny problems or scapegoat, or whether they're able to face problems and work to bring people together to find solutions. So I want to jump right in and get you guys thoughts on what we're seeing, but also how you view this. And so the first question I wanted to get to is, now, I'll start with you, Tunde. What question, What qualities or behaviors do you look for uh, from leaders in times of crisis? Uh,
1: that's a good question, actually, because I guess we, we, we don't pick our leaders uh, just normally thinking about, you know, what do I think they'll do in the absolute worst situation?
2: And maybe <laughs> no, we don't want to
1: think about those things. You know, so it makes me realize that none of us really going into, you know, picking our leaders in that way. But I would say, I mean, I think what I've learned in my life, if if... Kind of when the shit hits the fan, for lack of a better term, you want someone that's going to be calm, measured, um, able to think through uh, some of the the noise, you know, whatever the the issue is of the time or or of the moment, and also be willing to listen, but but be able to act. I think there's there's and you know I'm sure we could pick apart every leader and their ability or lack of ability uh, of doing that in various moments, but I think having having those come together at a certain point of crisis, I think is what makes great leaders. And I think what's amazing about some of those kind of moments is some people have been riding high and then the moment comes and then they collapse in that moment Mm -hmm. and their reputation is ruined. And others that may have never been sought of as leaders, when that moment arises, they step up to the plate and that becomes what they're remembered for. So... It's very I think it's difficult to predict how someone will perform, but I think the things that I just mentioned are what I would look for
2: in, uh, in a leader. In what a about crisis. you, Rob? I, we, I look to a leader, not how they're going to perform during a crisis because by then it's too damn late. Like if they're bad, we're, it's, <laughs> the house is going to burn down. So I look at it, so think of it like this like a firefighter. You go a firefighter, you want a firefighter who, who, who's not going to tell you, I am so great at putting out fires. Just put me in the middle of a fire and I'm gonna put that fire out. No, I want to see how great you are at preventing fires. So how good are you at the measures before in order to protect the house, protect the assets so we never have to get to that fire? So you can really, I, I do think there are ways to measure. There, this is not an exact science. Uh, I believe leadership is both an art and a science, but there are some underlying foundational qualities uh, that you can find in the leader and find evidence. And I'll give you a, a few. Uh, one, they are inclusive leaders in terms of how they make decisions. Uh, the more complex the problem, the more people have to be involved. If if you think that uh, you can solve a problem that's complex and you're one person, I can already tell you you're a bad leader uh, because there's th- that that is not possible. It's why why we have leaders not to make decisions in a vacuum, but to figure out how to bring people together, come to some decision and make the decision. And the leader is the person that holds the responsibility if it goes right, if it goes wrong. However... Uh, you can't you can't hope to make a good decision if you don't have people around you, and you don't empower and encourage a climate where people can actually uh, make uh, make a decision and uh, challenge your decision. And to go with that, the next part, the the next characteristic I look for is I look for a leader that is able to be humble in some way to realize that they don't have all the knowledge because leaders don't have all the knowledge, just like you and I. Uh, don't have all the knowledge. We only have a limited piece of the knowledge uh, no matter what. We can be experts in our field. The greatest expert there ever was. You know, Albert Einstein, for example, he got part of his own theory wrong. You know what? Because no one knows everything. It's why we have peers. It's why we need to be challenged. And then third, you know, it, it's the ability to be uh, vulnerable. Uh, I think all of these are key in moments of, of, of crisis. But I think they're they're, they're key day to day. You know, you don't have success or failure in in one macro event, I, I think part of our problem is we view leadership as like this strong man or strong woman who's supposed to just come out, say the right things, get people rah rah rah. We're going in the right direction. That, that's not a leader. That's that's that, that's a cheerleader. And so thinking about <laughs> how we think about leadership a little bit differently. Well, technically, I hope we have a
0: great appreciation for it. Technically, a cheerleader is a leader. Sure, <laughs> leader I'm cheering. I'm cheering. I'm
2: cheering. <laughs> I'm cheering. yeah so if you're, gonna, if you're out if you're if you're if you're, if you're out a game and you want to get a pep rally and you want the person who screams the loudest who can get people excited then go to a game and do a pep yes, rally yeah
0: there you go no that's that's an interesting point actually i my my thought is close to that I think that people in general are going to be your greatest asset, the people around you, the people you surround yourself with, um, the people that are there to, to, to pull in the same direction. And so I think the most important quality I'm looking at in crisis mode in particular is the ability to read the room and to respond based on what you see. Um, you know I think FDR really demonstrated this you know in the Great Depression, understanding when the people needed, to be consoled and to made feel better, but also when the people needed a little bit of a kick in the pants in order to get yeah. moving. And so getting the most out of your constituents is probably your most important job. And the, the thing what's going, what's going to, excuse me, determine whether you succeed or fail. Leaders are not people at the top that are just going to handle everything. If you're saying you're going to handle everything, you're probably doing it wrong. You need to be able to empower people to help themselves and to help to work collectively because it's collectively where human beings have our greatest strengths. It wasn't one person that got us to the moon. You know, it was a group effort. It was a collective, people working together, people pulling in the same direction, and that's how we get places. That's how we solve problems. And so, yeah. the leader's ability to do that is really what I look for. When when you're cutting separating people you know, you're when you're you're isolating, you know, the things like that from a, a psychological standpoint, making right. people feel like they're not on the same team. That to me is
2: where you're heading for trouble. And, and FDR, you made a great, you know, you know, FDR is my favorite president of all time. And and he, what you're describing is a person that is self-aware. Yeah. Uh, and, and and I and I describe self-awareness in multiple layers. It's it's self-awareness of how others actually see you. It's self-awareness for what you project. And it's awareness to see what others are actually feeling. You know, you actually are, are willing to go outside of yourself. So a leader, yeah. I, I, a, a leader is willing to not only hear their own voice, but hear the voices of others, and not just hear it and, and respond. Listen, you know, based on respond what you to hear, it, but, yeah, and yeah. also listen to it deeply in a way that yeah. they're taking it in depth. That's why you know. But when we, I'm not saying we generally the public measures a leader. It's how well can that leader speak. How do they get a feeling in my spine where I'm moving and shaking? And FDR had that too, which made, which is why he was so great at what he did. But what made him transformative, there's a lot of people that, that are able to speak well. But wait, but, but what made him transformative is, is the ability to bring people together, have what was called constructive rivalry, the same thing that Lincoln did, right? Bringing people together, being able to have people that are like arch conservatives, people that are arch liberals, being able to bring them in a room And figure things out and move forward. FDR could do that. Uh, Lincoln could do that. But a lot of people couldn't. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. So when you see what's going on now, have there been examples, Rob, that you've been, that have made you encouraged as far as how leaders, you know, various leaders, you know, at any level,
2: you know, are dealing with the crisis? Yeah. And uh, uh, to start off with, uh, I was really encouraged, continue to be encouraged by the governor of my state. Mike DeWine. Your listeners may or may not know uh, I didn't vote for Mike DeWine. I actually was on the ticket. I ran statewide on the ticket. That was opposite of him. And still, likely, I disagree with a lot of what he politically stands for. But in terms of his leadership capacity and his ability and his execution, particularly in this moment, I have no complaints. I think he's done a phenomenal job. He's actually led the way. He's been considered what CNN and others have said, the anti-Trump <laughs> for governors, and he's a Trump supporter. Mm. This is why this is important. Well, what
0: have you seen though? You know, like get, well, this like, is why if, yeah, okay. a couple
2: things. Let right, me mm-hmm. get to that. One, he was willing to move forward when it wasn't popular. Right now, most people understand how serious uh, the coronavirus is, but early on, Mike DeWine, despite what the president said, was willing to push forward. And this is why this is important, right? Uh, because it's very hard to push back against this president if you're in the Republican Party at this time. It might be the same if there was some popular Democratic president. Right now, we're talking about the reality right now. It's very rare to see an elected official who is currently in office uh, who needs the support of the president of the United States in, in order to stay popular just totally not even worry about that. So why it's so encouraging is he immediately went to take corrective actions, shut down bars, told people, no matter what you're hearing, this is serious. Do not discount this. He talked to churches. He talked to leaders who were more likely to believe what the president was saying, and they—they they, most of them, some of them—we'll talk about that later—shifted uh, course and were like, "Yes, you look. Despite what I said three days ago, I was wrong, and we need to take this seriously." Had he not done that, uh, it would have kept. It, it would have likely peaked a lot in Ohio, and hopefully this, this, this actually corrects it, but he took action before it was popular when others were saying it was still a hoax, and we can get to that, and that's hard to do. People can say, well, you did the right thing, and why are we praising that? It's hard to do the right thing when everyone else around you is doing the wrong thing. Human yeah. nature, you want to go with the crowd, Leaders are willing to do what's difficult even when it's not in their interest. So I, I was very encouraged. No, nah, that's, that's good. That's good. Uh, you know, the, one, one other thing he did, and I'll and I and I'll say this too because folks may not know this. He was one of the few governors last night that delayed the election, delayed election day. He was criticized for by Democrats and some Republicans, but mostly Democrats. There was a Democratic judge that came out and said he didn't make a compelling case uh, to shut down the polls. And so he actually used his health commissioner and overruled the judge. And so, and, and some people were saying, well, is he taking over? No, listen, most people that go on election day are going to be older. Most of the election workers are older. They're the most vulnerable. And he made this point, like, why should people have to choose between exercising their right to vote and their health, which doesn't make sense. And so it was encouraging to really see that. And, um, you know, he took heat from all sides, but he, he he seems to be very principled in what he's doing. So I was encouraged by somebody that I normally uh, would not have had support for, but I, I feel encouraged that he is not allowing politics to get in the way of doing what's right for people.
0: No, that's excellent, excellent point. Day. have you seen anything that, that's that's giving you giving you hope that, that we might be okay, that we got some good leaders in place? Nah. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I say it like uh, it's neither a yes nor a no. You're right. I mean, I think it's kind of like Rob said about, let's be, I, I think like this, you know, let's be fair to everybody. That you know, if a crisis happened on anyone's watch, I'm sure that there's going to be a lot to criticize, and you know, then some things to praise them on, and all that. Because you know, especially something like this, where no one really plans for this um, in general. Meaning, I understand that the president and all that have experts within their reach that think about these things more than most of us. But usually, the leaders themselves are checked out of this kind of stuff because they're running whatever they're leading, right? In that ca- this Boy, case, this case. Well, he fired all those experts. But go ahead. Well, but I'm just I'm making more of a general, high level conversation that if you're president, you're focused on being president in general. If you're CEO of you know Boeing or, or Ford or one of these big companies, you're focusing on that versus trying to figure out the the black swan event or the getting struck by lightning twice in a day situation that could happen, but rarely does. And unfortunately, we have one of those moments now as a world, not just as a nation. So, um, I think that look. I think to Rob's point. Um, I think Dewine. Um, I don't know much about what's going on in Ohio, but I have seen him on because I don't watch much cable news. But I, I've been turning it on this week a bit more, just trying to see this what's being said. Since I'm talking to so many people out there, and I have seen Dewine on TV, and he's impressive. Um, so I would say this. I think I think the screw up, like like we've said earlier on, just talking now, when people show you who they are, I I don't see why anyone is surprised whether they think a leader is doing a good job or not in a crisis in general, because most of the time you get a good look at the person's character before they go in. And I think that people with an insecure character, a narcissistic character, by definition, think about themselves primarily, especially when it becomes panic mode, when they get scared. They think about what are they going to do to save themselves, how is this going to reflect on them, so on and so forth. Uh, leaders that do not display those qualities um, uh, as much usually tend to then think of others, right? How do, What do I need to do to, to make this better for everyone else? So I think it, it, going back to the high level of it, if, if you know what kind of human being you got running the ship in a sense, before the crisis, then I think when the crisis comes, you kind of get an idea of how they're going to behave. And so nothing I've seen so far surprises me. And I, and I guess to get more specific on that and picking on our leadership of this country is, you know, a month ago and even just three weeks ago, you know, the leadership at the top, and not just one person, but multiple people at the top, were still calling this a hoax. And it goes back to your point, Rob, about then you know, pastors and other influential people in communities take that message and run for it. For It it gives them an out uh, to not want to believe the kind of the, 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 the other people that are saying something. And so I think the positive, you know, if you want to find that silver lining here for me is that, you know, in the last week or so, if we're here on March 18th today, last week or so, it looks like everyone's gotten serious. And everyone's well, down on the same page. But
0: so, I, And I want to talk about some some things that were, you know, place areas where we saw leaderships dropping the ball or where, you know, they were harming the interest. But I did want to, to at least note, you know, some areas where people were doing good. You know, I know that yeah. uh, Governor Cuomo in New York, you know, has been banging the drum for more Governor testing. Bashir, Bashir, Bashir yeah. Go- I go- wanted to specifically mention Kentucky. Governor Bashir in Kentucky who really took it upon himself to keep the public informed. And, you know, in our current environment you know societal environment getting good information is very difficult so for a governor to take it upon himself to on a near daily basis to keep people updated with what's going on with real information now granted that's still going to be drowned out in some part by the the disinformation that that floods that floods everywhere but i found that to be very encouraging that because again part of the leadership's job is to allow the, have the public understand and feel that the leadership is working on it, that the leadership understands the circumstances yeah. what's going on and that, you know, this is something we'll get through. And so I, I specifically think that Bashir and, and the governor, newly, newly installed, I mean, he was just there a couple of months, but that he's done yeah. a really good job, you know, and I, I want to specifically call that out, um, it, you know, because we've seen that that's not a given. I mean, like, and we're going to no get time. to that right now, that... The, it's not a given that leadership will, when, when times of crisis come up, I think a lot of time, Tunde, you, you really raised this point well at the, at the beginning, that we don't think about what bad could happen when we're selecting leaders, and then we just kind of hope that we got the right people in place if something bad happens, and if we don't, then we all pay the price, and you know, in this case, we've seen that. We've seen none of these people were put in place to deal with a pandemic crisis, but now we'll see and we are seeing i should say what well, the, the, the merits of our selection based on something you know something unexpected bad yep. that happens but to anyone who who's alive knows that sometimes unexpected things happen that are bad and so it's not a surprise that that could happen in society so yeah so so getting to you know some things that that, have, that bothered you guys i know you guys are chomping at the bit for this one
2: <laughs> so, at least i am
0: so. all right well tune in. let me let me let me get you i know you wanted to go here was what has bothered you the most or what has stood out to you as far as just it's been discouraging or it's not been helpful as far as helping society move past this um so i i, I don't know what i could
1: say bothers me the most and i try not to look at it of you know Woe is us, and this is so bad, type of thing. But I would say this because this—the things that have bothered me, I guess—in these moments are things that have bothered me for some time about what I'm seeing in general in this country in the last few years. What is it? The—the the lack of people actually thinking critically, like we talked about on a prior show. The—the—the um, the, the acceptance of misinformation, um, you know, and the acceptance of leadership that calls into question things from experts. And this is kind of, you know, and this is what I'm saying, like uh, at at 30,000 feet, everything's kind of connected. So if if you're sitting there disbelieving scientists and people in the know who are talking about things like climate change and all that, if you're pumping out, you know, um, um, uh, anti-vaccination propaganda, all this kind of stuff, then when when the shit is the fan from a real pandemic like this, I don't expect these same people Who've been peddling in conspiracy theories as long as they've been in power to all of a sudden switch and be serious. So what I'm saying is what I've seen a lot of things that bother me, but I guess they're outcomes of things that I already saw coming. And and that's I guess going back to my comments at the start of the show, that's what I'm saying. Like, because I already saw that in the characters of our current leadership, I'm, you know, I kind of am not surprised that it took them so long to get on the train. Right. And that's been the disappointing thing, that we have something that's very serious. And like you guys know, I have somebody that I know personally that's in ICU right now because of this virus. Yeah. And I kind of like, so when I see a congressman in my state of Florida who's in a district representing people, and he had a gas mask on two weeks ago as a on joke. The, on the floor on the, of the house. On the house floor yeah. to make fun of this. To me it's just like that's what disappoints me. Like really right. guys, you guys you guys are so in the know and this is such a hoax and BS and and you're so you're so um, you're so frothing at the mouth with this hating your opponent and everything's yeah. about this tit for tat that when something's serious you're still acting like this. And I think well, and I'll just finish up. I guess that's what I meant earlier. Is in the last week, I've seen all that started to go away. That they're all taking it serious, but it's to, sad
0: to, that to, it, or, to
2: some degree. Well, well, Here's the it, point. It's sad that, that it took all this. Is, is my you're point, right. So the I'll, leaders I'll are go. starting yeah. to do that today. Here's where I would say the problem is, though. Uh, you know, so goes, uh, so goes your leadership. So goes your culture. So goes all your right. culture. So goes your people, and. Yes, they're starting to get on the train. The problem is they brought so many people on this wrong train. It's already headed down the track. And so now there's been some polling done by NPR and others that show that the more the spread grows, the more people still don't believe it. And this is where I think leaders are at fault because people, no matter how we can talk about this all day and all night, people will follow leaders generally and trust them. And they default to truth. Even when they say they don't, people believe that if it's the Republicans that are saying this, and they've been a member of this team, the Republican Party, then these people are telling you the truth. And so they've they've built in a propaganda that you, as you said, you can't trust these people for so long. It's just not going to just stop. They yeah. have to just so Newt Gingrich is now trying to convince people that everything I said two weeks ago is wrong, and everything I've been essentially saying for most of my political career is wrong. But when you've when you've ingrained and create this culture. I believe, as a leader, you are more responsible than individuals. Individuals still have their responsibility to think critically, but honestly, it is much harder to do when the leaders and the people you have elected to trust are putting this propaganda forward. It's harder than we than we give people credit for. Um, and then you talked about a crisis coming, right? Crisis happened. I believe that leaders have to have to know that a crisis is going to happen, and we should we should envision ourselves like how would I like that person to lead me in the middle of a crisis. Would I be happy with that? That should be like the first thing we think of when we think of a leader and how we actually want them uh, to lead. Because look, no matter how you look at this, I'm, talking, I'm not just talking about presidential leadership. I'm talking about corporate leadership. I want to touch on that a little bit because I think it's really, really important uh, because corporate leadership has also been guiding a lot of what we've been doing here. It is not the fault of Donald Trump that we have the coronavirus. It is not his fault. It is not the fault of corporate leaders that we have the coronavirus. It is their responsibility though. Fault and responsibility are different. When you say you wanna be the leader of a country, uh, you run for that election, I believe that you are saying that you wanna put uh, the interests of the collective whole above your own personal interests. That's why you you accept such an awesome responsibility. Same if you wanna lead a multinational corporation, a large corporation, you're saying when times are getting tough that I will take on more. That's what I say as a leader. But we we we've seen some of that play out. We've talked about that. We talked about people like Zion Williams who actually who actually gave some of. It. He's a rookie, and is giving some of giving millions of dollars to help those in New Orleans. Well, I don't think we've heard from the owner who's a multi billionaire. We got uh, we got Whole Foods who is trying to get its employees to trade its vacation time. Instead of actually just covering its employees, it was owned by the richest man in the world. I mean, we have a problem here with uh, leaders who actually want to step up. They want to profit off of the system. They want to do well. And I have no problem with that. When times are good, because you help build these things, because you help lead them, you should get more benefits. However, when times are rough, you should be the first one uh, willing to sacrifice. day, you talk about this often. You talk about you talk about those who serve in the military. They have a philosophy that you, I'm sure you know about. Leaders eat last. All the all, all all the men and women who serve in the military who are part of the units, they eat and the general eats last. We've gotten our leadership wrong. They, they're supposed to eat last first and, and and then wait till they suck up all the food and then nobody else eats. And it's a problem we've had with our culture and our leadership has helped perpetuate. For this. some time now, yeah. you know, it. With great power
0: comes great responsibility is something that is a truism in life that we've just lost, and part of yeah. that is on the leadership. You know, there's been efforts, and you see this primarily on the conserv- in the conservative movement, um, and it's their style of leadership lately has been about avoiding accountability. The purpose of making your political opponents out to be enemies is so that your constituents hate them so much that no matter what you do. 're not going to they're not going to look to hold you accountable. They're going to look to actually defend you in light of your incompetence because yeah. the other people are enemies. And so that whole concept of hey, you disagree with me on my on this issue so therefore I hate you. you're my enemy that is promoted throughout the media, the, primarily the conservative media, Fox News and things like that and, and the, the real crazy ones if you go beyond that, it's to set up this culture of no accountability, and you can see yep. it in broad daylight. Devin Nunez on Sunday says tells people they should be going to restaurants and stuff like that, and then he gets and people are like, "Yo, what are you doing? Are you crazy?" And so he goes on to Hannity the next day and says, "Oh no, I didn't mean they should be eating there. I meant that they should be taking out from the restaurants." <laughs> yeah. And he clearly didn't say that. Like no, if you he look didn't. at what he said, it's the exact opposite, and it's this culture of no accountability amongst leadership right, because people uh, see it
2: as- an attack on the president, and their party—it's not. It's about solving the freaking problem. Well, right we d- regardless
0: though. We need accountability. If somebody I that I support does something wrong, they should be held accountable, regardless yes. of what the other side is saying or doing. If 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 they do something wrong, you hold them accountable, and if the other side does something wrong, we I hold them accountable as well. And we're not—it's not a football game. It's not you know we're not playing a game here where whoever gets the most points at the end wins. This is society. This is a self governance experiment that through most of human history nobody believed would work, and it won't work unless we can hold our leaders accountable. And so one thing though that's really being exploited here, and this is a concept I just want to introduce, is that in this instance the the individual risk of something really bad happening to you is relatively low. But the risk to our system is very high, meaning the risk that our our medical system will be overrun and that people, the people who do get sick, won't be needed to get care. That's the whole flatten the curve thing. Correct. But because of that, the more narcissistic you are, the less serious you will take this. Because we've been programmed. Well, let me let me finish this point though. The more narcissistic you are, the less inclined you are to take this seriously because a narcissistic person Correct. cannot see that system risk. All they can see is, oh, well, for me, this just isn't that big of a risk. So screw everything. And so, yes, to your point, that where you were about to say, Rob, we've promoted narcissism, we've held it up as a virtue in our society for so long.
2: And so, that's
0: what you're seeing. That's why people can see people dying and saying eh, it's not that big of a risk to me. So, you know, I I care less, you know, I'm going to go do this or do that. And we've been told that's the way to go too. like, and so we see that in our leadership. So the things that, but the things that bother me the most that I've seen in the leadership has been the, the, the willingness to be dishonest and to try to hide information. Like the, the, the thing that bothers me the most is that our leadership on a national level has purposefully try to slow the rate of testing so that our numbers look yeah. better. And that's crazy. That yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's, craziness. That's crazy. Like we don't we purposefully don't want to know how many people have it so that it doesn't look as bad to an outside observer or Correct. to someone who's reading the but, news. But like you like, said you about nuts? other
1: um, Things like this is what they do in China and Russia. I mean, it's this it's, it's, is it's, yes, that's this exactly This, what this is the country that we talk against, and it's, it's this is stuff we we kind of made fun of Russia for doing this during Chernobyl right, in '87. Like, yeah. yeah, oh, nothing's happened here, you know. Well, hold on, you <laughs> just had a nuclear explosion, and there's you know, radiation being detected in all the neighboring yeah, countries. you telling people, Nothing, yeah, drink yeah. the water, it's okay. Everything's you know, fine, know. yeah, <laughs> And so, and then what happened... There are no droids here, keep it moving. And, and exactly, and, and, and that was one of the things, I mean, obviously there was a lot of momentum before this, but Chernobyl was one of the final nails in the coffin for the Soviet Empire. Because that's, I think, also the time when the population in Russia just said, you know what, you guys are totally screwed. And so, I think, you know, but that's why I say to comment earlier, because you guys are absolutely right, everything you're saying. And that's why I'm not surprised that this is being handled this way, because I recognize, like, I know you guys did too, but a lot of Americans, I guess, overlook the true character of, again, I'm not just pointing at one person in leadership, the leaders in our country right now. And one of the things I think is, you know, this type of event is the biggest risk that people like this have to themselves in positions of power because it's like this is where the emperor has no clothes type of thing
2: and it's, it's clear people, well, with correct, the people I mean. die because of it though
0: the
1: answer is yes but, yeah, like, but that's but that's the thing is that people can see that what you just said that they're they're actually thinking about not putting out more tests so that it keeps the numbers low as more people getting sick and potentially die um, and as more people have the experience I have, someone I know very well is in ICU right now with this virus. This isn't fake anymore. It's kind of real to me now. Um, and so I think that this is where just history gets changed by an unexpected event because the leadership we have now is incapable of making a shift of their character because this is who they are. The 70s, yeah. This yeah. is yeah. who they are. So this
2: isn't going to change. But what's been encouraging is that some Republicans haven't followed suit. Correct. Well, and that's what I was
1: going to say. Is and I know I sent you guys a joke in our group text a couple days ago when I saw that Ted Cruz um, uh, gave a compliment to Alexandria Cortez. And the point is, is that you know my joke was that wow, the, the actual the fallout from this might be true bipartisanship again. Like people remembering, and we talked about this at other times in random conversations that you know, the, De- the Depression and, the, and World War Two provided a certain focal point of pain for the nation that even though we had Vietnam and civil rights and all that, like, there was still a glue that binded most Americans together from those, those, those the 30s and 40s. Yeah. And I think that, obviously, we're at a point where everyone, unless you're 90 or 100 years old at this point, you know, everyone's dead from that era that w- that was alive and old enough to, like, remember it. So this might be, you know, what our country needed. Unfortunately, this type of scare and 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 potentially, you know, harmful. I mean, let's hope the more people don't die. But this is the thing that could get us all to stop our noise, stop worrying about, you know, what's on TV and who pointed the finger at this one and did the NFL player take a knee or not? And and really, let's talk about this is real stuff now, and this might hopefully get us from those distractions to to, to talking about. Where are we going as a country? Because you guys have heard me rant in the last week about the Federal Reserve and what they're about to do, throwing $1,000 at everybody. And I thought, you know, what if we had done an infrastructure plan five years ago with, at 3 or $4 trillion? Yeah. A lot of people might have enough money yeah. in their pocket that they don't need this bailout. But because our leadership has been so fractured, we haven't been able to do what we and need I to do. And I think it's
2: beyond that, too. The fracture is part of it. I agree, Tunde. But it's also, and I'll say this is Democrat and Republican, it's also been uh, very short-term thinking. Everything has been about how do we get to the next election? How do we get to just get past this? So that's why they 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 didn't conquer infrastructure. Because of that, and we have like we're we're at least should have a billion dollars in infrastructure minimum. Sorry, a trillion actually, where we need to get yeah. to. Billion is not the number. Trillion is where we need to get. Just to, billion be, to be, build you a bridge on my yeah, highway. Yeah, exactly. Down the street. <laughs> I said my A trillion to get to where we just need to be like up to scale, like basic to where we need to be. But but you know, it's been policies like, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about a little bit of our tax policy. You know. Uh, the airways now, uh, the, the, the US airlines are about to, this close to going out of business and they could go out of business by May. And so they're asking to be bailed out again. And we're going to have another episode to talking about this stuff. So I don't want to get too much into this. I just want to make a really quick point. Uh, the last tax bill uh, that was passed, they took a lot of their cash and they invested in themselves to pay back their own stocks. Now they're yep. asking to be bailed out yep. again. Yep. <laughs> so, like, this is something we have to change our habits. Like, yes, otherwise, yes. it won't work. Yes, we need that's... leaders that understand that. And so we want to have leaders that give us rah-rah. Look, if we don't have leaders that are actually focused on changing some of the institutional structural problems, we are going to collapse. That's what I want people to understand. This is not going to work. This moment, to see, you should see this moment for what it is. It's exposing some of our vulnerabilities, and we have to figure out how to solve them. What's well, exposing the problem in the way we've been going about this
0: self-governance thing? Correct. But, the reason you put people in charge is to prepare for these types of things. Amen. The airline industry—the example you just gave—they get this windfall. The people in charge, their job is to say, "Okay, okay, yeah, we might be able to, to eat good for a second on this, but we need to make sure that if something bad happens, then we can be prepared for it. Also, that's their job in, as far as the leadership goes. It's to just, be. That's what, exactly. Oh, yeah our leadership as far as like we've had a pandemic pandemic team on staff at the the federal government letter excuse me level for a long time they just recently were disbanded under the Trump administration That was there because if something bad happens, we needed to be able to respond quickly, not just thinking about the political fallout. But ultimately, this is a democracy. And so these choices and decisions go back to the people because the people are the ones that have put these priorities, whether they've been misled, whether they've been propagandized. Nonetheless, the people have have authorized this kind of mindset of forget tomorrow, forget the world that we leave our kids, forget whether or not we can pay the bills tomorrow or, you know, in in, in next week. Let's just live it now. And honestly, not even let everybody live it now. Let's just let, you know, the people who are in the most advantageous position live it now. And as long as we kind of enough of us have that kind of mindset and don't look, take a more sober look at this whole operation that we're having here as far as a civilized state where we can start preparing for things in addition to living it up right now you don't all everything can't be about tomorrow but somebody has to be looking at it and that's what you're voting for is is that somebody so we put them in in, in charge to prepare for things like this it's just that i want to i can't emphasize that enough and, you know, like if you look at it like that, then the failure is just glaring to for many and for some for the ones that are encouraging. It's like, well, thank you. That's what you're there for. And, you know, we appreciate it. But, you know, again, that's what you're there for. So, I mean, you, you end up with all of that. How do we pick better leaders? You know, what, what is the, the, the what is the way to, to go? Because charisma is intoxicating, you know, and, and selling easy solutions, you know, tends to, to sound good. You know, so how in the world can we get. Better
2: selections for leadership in, in a place where we're picking our leadership democratically. We need to make sure that we are focused on our values and, and not just get caught up in rhetoric, not just get caught up in what sounds good, but do but do people actually reflect the values that that we say we believe in? We hope these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal. Does the person running have a consistent past that aligns with that? Does do you see a leader that respects the institution of the United States? Do you see a leader that actually has done something to not just be transactional, but to be transformative? Have you seen a leader that's done things to be vulnerable and to put themselves in situations where uh, they could lose something, uh, and but they still move forward because it was the right thing to do? We have to start looking at that and step back emotionally from how we make these decisions. This is not a this is not just for Democrats, not just for, for Republicans. We have to pick better leaders for the sake of the country. And then right. we have to, have to pick leaders that are actually able to work and find common ground. And to me, common ground, you've heard me say this before, common ground is not is not finding a race to the lowest common denominator. It's first figuring out what's right and figuring out how to get there. Do we have leaders? Have you seen this from our leadership? Uh and that should be how you make your decisions. Good Not luck with I, that, man. A rational yeah, man listen, listen, thought. Listen, I, 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 oh, I, a, yeah. I know, I know a, it's a hard I, thing to ask. i let you finish. And I got but I do think, I do think, I hope that moments like these can provide some clarity. People always, I hear people complain, complain, and complain about politicians are so horrible. Politicians just do this. Okay, uh, who did you vote for? Did you vote? And if you, if you didn't vote, you can't say anything. If you did vote, then then why aren't you complaining to your politician? Why or Did you vote in the primary? These are other questions we can ask people. And the same type of questions we can ask for corporate leaders, too. One more, one more thing, too. Very important characteristic in the leader. Uh, do they encourage others to have disagreement with them? Have you seen that? Because if you haven't, uh, this leader's going to make some really horrible decisions. I know it's good luck. I know this is Pollyanna's thinking. <laughs> my, my hope is that enough people will start getting involved and really, uh, not give up on the process, because the 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 bigger danger is indifference. Like we're gonna. We, have hey, people, man, we love your optimism, man. We love. Look, it. look we're go- we're always gonna have people that are gonna believe it and go along. We need enough people, and it doesn't have to be a whole bunch of people. It takes a few amount of people. Like the the revolution for the United States of America started with people who were just committed to the ideal, and they made it happen. And it was extremely messy. It was extremely unpopular. It was it was no one thought it could be done. But but here we are and we're still living in this experiment. And if we wanted to continue, we wanted to continue in a way that where it has been going, which is in a good direction. It's not been a perfect one, but it's been a good direction. We have to decide we want to be more involved, want to be more active. Uh, But I think people too many people have uh, subscribed to the belief that uh, I can't do anything about it. The problem's too complex. So let me just sit out. That's the issue more than people who are voting for a lot of these clowns. That's my opinion. What you got today? How much time you got, buddy? Um, (laughs) One of
1: these
0: days, man. One of these days, I'm gonna take all the times you say that and put it into one mix.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, so the uh, no, because I'll take the total 180 view of Rob and Contrarian, and my, you know, your favorite line out of my mouth is sometimes people are human beings too, or whatever I say, and. um, I just, you know, I am, you know, you guys know me. I'm cynical. I think there's no hope for humanity because of exactly what we're talking about. um, (laughs) Yeah. Not me. But, um, no, just because I feel like, you know, my thought about the social cycles and all that's kind of why I brought up the thing about the 1930s and 40s. I think that as human beings, we just get complacent. And unless, until you get one of these shocks in your system, whether it's a personal thing, I mean, look. I had to go through the financial crisis and short sale two properties and kind of get that kind of pain to learn the pain of having too much debt. Because before, you know, I had old timers telling me, hey man, be careful with these mortgages and all that back in the, you know, earlier part of the, you know, the 2000s. And I knew everything. I knew too much. And I had to get slapped in the face that way, figuratively, uh, for me to learn. So I think this is our moment as a country, potentially. That we may get this slap out of nowhere from this pandemic, and just learn that, you know, and that's what I mean by saying that the depression and and um, I agree and, with that and and um, and World War II did not allow the country to vote in a Barry Goldwater or George Wallace type of true leader at the top for many many decades because I think no matter what people's political view were at the bottom as voters,
2: <clears throat> they remembered like you pointed to FDR like. All right, But, but that's if really stuff, important, really quick stuff, on that point. The fan, FDR, yeah. FDR set the frame, it was so good. That's part of the reason though.
1: No, and I'm just saying and, and and it might have been Lincoln before or some president in the middle like Teddy Roosevelt. I'm just making the point that people have to experience that to understand the importance of I it. Agree. And I think well we what happened in this last probably 2-3 generations, you know, save 9/11 which I think, you know, was handled well immediately after in terms of at least the, the feeling we got from President Bush that he was in charge and in control. I know that a lot of us have issues about how things were carried out years later. But, um, but I think that barring 9-11, there's been nothing really that scared the country um, in this way. And even 9-11 kind of recovered quickly in terms of the economy was kind of getting back. And we all felt, you know, in a few years we all got back to normal. This is health. This is not some guys that flew a plane into a building and that's isolated. And if they, as long as we don't keep them from coming here, we're okay. This is unseen. It's scary. It's a virus. It's already here. We don't really know what's going on. Like you guys said, the leadership has kept certain information from us. And it's only finally starting to come out. And we'll probably find out a few weeks from now that whatever we're saying now is inaccurate because there's actually more behind the scenes. And so
0: everybody's already had it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And and that's why we probably the three of us already have it. But, but maybe my point is, is that I just feel like we're always going to have these moments that we get a little bit too far removed from the last kind of human memory event, shared memory. And then the next thing comes and the people in charge maybe aren't the ones we would have thought should be in charge in this moment. But because it's like you guys said, because everyone got caught into the kind of showmanship and shine and Jimmy, you made a great point. They're conditioned to hate their political enemy so much. No, that no,
0: no. They're it. It no, a political no opponent, not the enemy. That's the, the right. issue. They, yeah, they're described as the enemy. They're described as enemy. It,
1: they're, but, but described they're conditioned enemy. Yeah. so much to hate them yeah. that they don't see the flaws. You know, it goes back to the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Maybe they're not really your friend, but because you condition conditioned to hate that one person so much, this guy looks okay. You can't even look critically at
0: that person. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Well, no, no. no. I, I wanted to, to jump ahead. in because there was uh, Toonday Day has referenced on our podcast before uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and just that we we're so yeah. far at the top that people can. And so this and, is the and kind and of I thing- guess. That's
1: my mo- my point of saying a joking about the NFL players kneeling and what's exactly. on TV and all that is like. Well, now maybe we'll, we'll we're shocked and we're woken up that those things that seemed important just a year yeah. or two ago, they don't seem that important anymore. And, yeah. I, and for good reason, right? That's what I mean. Like, this is good. I'm glad that people are actually realizing, like, man, I got
0: to learn about well, science. I don't think we should call it <laughs> good. How the viruses work. I think it's more of there's silver linings. I mean, it's Correct. not good. It's but not they're, good they're, they're... that we got a pandemic. Let me yeah, right. make no, sure I that. No, but I it offers that. opportunity
2: yeah. for us to, to how we can respond on this and become better. And, and that's why I said that this
1: is actually the nightmare of the type of leaders. Like, yeah, and, and, like, and whether it's China, whether it's Putin in Russia, whether it's our leadership here, this kind of strongman leader, That, like you guys said, can't show any humility, can't take advice from people that don't one hundred percent fall in line and agree with them. Um, These these type of moments are the biggest risk for them because it it totally shatters that house of cards. Yeah, and 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 actually,
2: I actually believe not only is it a risk, it's the it's what always brings the, the house down. Like no matter what, when you have leadership and decisions concentrated all at the top in a really small circle it's always going to fall it's just a matter of when and how badly it falls that, that you can, you, you can probably see every single exercise and leadership uh, uh, experience and readings will show you that time and time and time again. This is one of the things that I'll let you finish and I'll actually leave and drop the mic on this choosing leaders, not just focused on charisma, like charisma is something that we're always going to like. We're always going to be attracted to. I would just tell our listeners to, Think think three times and think critically before you see a leader that is going to influence your brain. You're going to be influenced by charisma. I will, James will, Tunde will, everyone listening to will. What we have to do is really work hard to step back from that and then look critically about what they're actually saying and what they're actually doing. Uh, Because we don't want to see a bad leader who has great charisma in a time of crisis. It always turns out bad. I've seen it happen at my university before, and I fell for it. I fell for it before. Listen, I've been there, yeah, no, I, we've having, that, having that tough lesson. And this was somebody I thought was really good, but clearly, had I looked a little further, I would have seen it. So, look, we see it in our this. Use this as an example as I conclude to to look at it. Not only in elected officials, that's easy. Look at looking at, look at it who we who you follow in church. You know, Creflo Dollar. I just want to just talk about him for a minute. He's been he's been one of these hustler preachers, people that use. Uh, the Bible in order to say, if you didn't make it this because you didn't believe in God enough, right? I mean, he is now using this, op- this, this not opportunity, the, this crisis moment to start a cash app for people to say, well, don't, don't skip out on tithing because still give money to me. What's encouraging is people are calling that out. And I've seen, you know, one of my friends who is a, who's like Tunde was very conservative. You have, we have lots of conservative friends. He follows some people, some Christians, and they always have these uh, these group. And they obviously always have their uh, Sunday meetings. And there are people saying, "Well, look, if you give into if you give into fear and don't show up, you're not believing in God." He's saying, "Wait, wait, wait, hold up. This is a Trump hardcore supporter. He's reaching out and asking me for guidance here. So if he is, he, there has to be others. So I have some optimism. Uh, I just hope it didn't. I hope it doesn't take. I hope it doesn't do too much damage to the country in the process. Because I do think, no matter what." Um, this is what happens when you have leadership that is only focused on the top that is only transactional it eventually falls apart. Oh no, so uh, don't no, let I'm, it so,
0: I'm sorry, Rob. Uh, say that again. I was I was lost in all the charisma, man. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm, joking. I'm joking. Let
1: <laughs> me let me jump in because you make some great points, Rob, and I think to the audience, you know, these are good things to look out for in any not only just leaders because you're right, whether it's you voting for a national or state or local leadership or you're looking at, you know, working at a company whether it's the CEO, if it's a small enough company that you got to deal with regularly, or maybe it's just your direct report above you, or your management team, or whatever, you know, not getting falling into the charisma. But when when you said it, also made me realize even about personal relationships and you how many people fall for a charisma when when trying to look for a date. You know, of the opposite. Ooh, you know, that's the persuasion, or whatever. So and you know, you just kind of fall for that. And I think, but that's where my we're gonna have I'm a whole saying, show of crazy relationships. But go ahead, sorry. No, but that's what I'm saying is it goes against our wiring from a biology standpoint on our psychology to actually pick people that we don't think are excitable or exciting to
0: us. You know. Well, but you don't have to, though. That's the thing. And this is where I'll disagree with you guys. I think that the principle that can never get lost when we deal in, in, in democratically elected officials is that you can fool some of the people all the time, all of the people some of the time, but not all of the people all of the time. We need more participation. Like, the issue is, I know you, Tunde, you've railed about, you know, the Gillum election and, you know, how the, the turnout, you know, and like, yo, it, it, he, lo- he loses hey, by after a few what hundred votes. You know, like, I was thinking, <laughs> it might be better that he lost that one.
2: <laughs> I, now, now, yes, taking aside the, uh, <laughs> for the, the any, specific. Any black man that wants to be governor, yes, it was good. Taking happened. aside, yes, taking aside the
0: specific issues, you know, <laughs> as far as when, where <laughs> Andrew Gillum has dealt with over the past week. But I just in happy terms with of right now. how, <laughs> but no, 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 how small margins, you know, are determined by by lack of participation. Like we just need more people in the participation That's system. That's it. Because enough people aren't going to be duped. But if enough people aren't duped, but most of them or a good portion of the ones that aren't duped are sitting out, then they give too much power to the people that are duped at any given moment, and, and they're some, already
2: duped by thinking that they have to sit out, they don't have any power so they're duped already too. but or they
0: just you know it, it could be more than that. it doesn't necessarily be somebody telling you that you don't matter. you may you can feel like in a country of hundreds of millions of people, you can yeah, feel agree. like you don't matter. As far as, you know, without somebody telling you that. So, and you duped yourself. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but we need more participation. That's just, that's the backstop against the charisma taking over or, you know, people selling false promises because they won't be able to fool everybody. And so Agreed. we just need more participation. And we we do need, with, with more participation, we can get a better system, you know, whether that's, you know, instant runoff voting or, or different things like that. Um, because... There are ways to select our leaders that will make it less prone for, one, people who are ill-equipped to lead to be able to get there. You know, with winner-take-all elections, particularly with lots of different candidates, you can get fringe candidates that have a lot of power that they otherwise wouldn't. Um, and so we can also find a better, better system, but the well, we can bottom find a line better system
2: with corporate with corporate, how we do corporations and corporate donations, we, you know, we everything. need to think that. Think
0: but, that but the bottom line, the, the the first step there is we just need more participation, and so yep. that's you know the, the the answer to the question is how how do we select better leadership? I don't think it's on the the individual plays a role obviously, but it's the collective that gets that done, and it's it's all yeah. of us together. I don't have to be right all the time if it's twenty of us and we're all going together because ho- then all we need is 11 out of the out of the 20 to be right you know i could be yep. in the wrong but but the 11 have guided us right so we need more it's the collective because that's what we're doing here it's it's, it's 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 government of the people by the people for the people not individuals persons it's the people it's all of us so you know we have to keep that in mind we have to participate and then hopefully we'll select better leaders you know so you know in the meantime you know we have what we have you know we've we, we, we got to dance with the people we came with and so hopefully we can hold them we can work to hold them accountable so that we can get better results so that they can deliver the type of government that we need in this type of crisis at least to the extent that's capable. You know, so from there, I think we want to wrap this one up. You know, we definitely appreciate everybody joining us as we, we take this look at leadership and leadership in crisis. So until next time, I'm James Keys. I'm Tunde Ogulana. And I'm Rob Richardson. All right. Thank you very much. Subscribe, rate, review. We'll see you guys next
2: time.